0: Welcome to all the social ladies. With CEO of Likeable Media Carrie Kirpin.
1: Harry Kerfin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I am really excited to have Alison Downey on the show. Allison Downey is the CEO and co-founder of WeSpring, a startup that helps new and expecting parents collect advice from their friends about what they need for their baby. Her entrepreneurial spirit dates back to elementary school when she had a face painting business for birthday parties, and it's carried her through roles with Random House, Elliot Spitzer, and Credit Suisse. She has an an MBA from Columbia Business School, an MFA from Columbia University School of the Arts, and a BA from Colby College. She serves on the board of Democracy Prep Public Schools, one of the country's top charter management organizations. And she lives in New York City with her husband and Wee Spring co founder So I understand that well as I co-founded my business with my husband um, and also their toddler. So welcome to the show, Allison.
0: Thank you. I realize that the bio that I sent you is not up to date. I have a four-month-old baby <gasps> as well.
1: Oh, my goodness. Okay, wait. So what are the baby's names, first of all?
0: So Logan is my toddler. Okay. Um, He is at preschool as we speak right now. Okay. Um, And Caroline is my (gasps) four-month-old.
1: Hi, Logan and Caroline. (laughs) And a true story, I am a Caroline. My full name is Caroline. Ah. Yes. I love the name. It's the best name. And I actually love Caroline. I have a little bit of sadness that I'm not a Caroline, but it's actually funny in business, because my family always called me Carrie, and then when I co-founded the business with my husband, he would introduce me to everyone and be like, oh, this is my wife, Carrie, my co-founder. So I just kind of morphed fully into my family nickname, and I do miss the Caroline. I'm not yeah. going to lie. It's such a great name. I have
0: I have a bit of a, a switch off between Allie and Allison, and it confuses everyone. I know. I really am. I'm, I have no preference between the two. I know.
1: Me too. It's it's so interesting. So I'm very very excited for Logan and Caroline to listen to our podcast. Yes, very exciting. Okay, so tell me about your story. I want to hear the whole story of your career and how you ended up um, heading into kind of the entrepreneurial waters. I know we talked about um, your early start, but tell me a little bit about like your full career story.
0: Yeah, well, I am. I have been all over the map, um, as you mentioned in my bio. I worked in publishing. I have an MFA in writing. Uh, I worked in politics for a long time. I worked on Wall Street. I have my MBA, um, and you know, I'm I'm very Type A, and that drove all of those different career paths, and and really the common thread in all of them too. Even though it doesn't, it might not seem that way at the surface. They're all pretty entrepreneurially focused. That you need to be driven and the self-starter and have a lot of independence in all of those things that I'd done. And I'd always been talking about how I wanted to strike out and do something on my own. And around the time that my son was born, I had this idea kind of kicking around in my head. Uh, I, I had left my Wall Street job. I was working in a nonprofit and was thinking about how there really needed to be a place that I could have these safe conversations with people I knew and trusted about all this stuff that I needed for my family. Uh, I could see that these conversations were happening on Facebook all the time. You know, I received when I was pregnant these crazy, crazy lists from yes. my friends. Um, it's a, it's a insane phenomenon where new parents will sit down in front of their computer and type out an Excel spreadsheet of all the products that they like and annotate them with commentary about what they should buy and what they shouldn't and then email it out to their friends who are expecting and then they take those lists and build on them and it's this very backward 1992 way of organizing and it seemed like there was such a big opportunity there to step in and make it simple and easy for parents to collect all this trusted advice from people they know um, and friends of friends and people that they identify with, um, but then also on the business side of things, make it a little bit easier for brands to be part of those conversations and part of those interactions. Because when one mom is standing in front of a you know 10-foot tall wall of baby bottles and Babies Are Us and sending text messages frantically to her friends saying, yes. what's the difference between Dr. Brown's and Philips Avent? Uh, letting the brands kind of angle in there and frame their products and uh, be part of those conversations too. So on WeSpring, uh, parents can share all this advice, but brands can also go in and if a parent has asked a specific question about a product, uh, and that question gets blasted out to other parents who have that product, so parents are weighing in, but the brand can also insert their voice and answer that question too. Uh, if someone has left a product review, the brand can go in and respond to that review. Uh, so, you know, for instance, Crane Humidifier uh, is a big client of ours, and they're so good at using the platform. So, you know, when someone went in to ESpring and said, I opened my humidifier box and it was broken almost immediately, Crane could go in and say, We want to send a new one out to you immediately. This has never happened, and we want to fix it for you. So they can showcase their great customer service in that forum where people are actually making purchase decisions.
1: That's pretty incredible. And how did you build a community there? Was it something that happened organically? How do you get the audience to know? Because I do remember um, many moons ago when I had my babies, those exact lists, like you said, they were like from the 1990s. My babies were born in the 2000s. But we definitely had those lists that we emailed. Facebook wasn't even around at the time. And we shared. And so how, how did you get people to come over to WeSpring?
0: Yeah, it's um, it is slow, slow elbow mm-hmm. grease. Um, it's probably the only way to explain it. Uh, I had this vision when we first got started, um, and I, I have been talking about this lately, uh, that I had this, this marketing deck. And when I was talking to early investors, I had this slide in there that was a marketing plan, and I had a little icon representing one mom with a new baby, and she was, had a little baby in her arms. And that pointed to five moms with little new babies in their arms, and that pointed to 25 moms with little new babies in their arms. Right. And I was like, this is my marketing plan. <laughs> People will just tell each other <laughs> about I love this it. really great service. Yep. Uh, but the reality is moms are very, very stretched. And I yep. didn't appreciate that um, yep. you know, as much as I really do now. And their attention is being drawn in a hundred different places. Uh, and there are so many things like WeSpring that are out there right now, nothing that really does exactly what we do. But you know, all of these products and services that are coming up that are trying to help make parents' lives easier, um, that that extra leap to get them to tell other people about it is it's really hard. Um, So, you know, we would do interviews with our, you know, most enthusiastic users. So um, about six months ago, we probably did 100 user interviews with people who were on the site a couple times a week, and we said to them, you know, what are you using it for? What's most valuable to you? And then the question we always asked was, how many people have you told about the site? And the answer more often than not was, I keep meaning to do that. So the intention is there. Uh, and they love it and they care about it and they know that it's going to be more valuable if they have their friends on the site uh, but getting them to actually pull the trigger is really hard so um, so we have really just been grinding it away at it and you know our core philosophy uh, in so many different arenas is that quality is more valuable than quantity um, you know that, that applies to the amount of time we're spending on the business <laughs> the amount yep. of time we're spending with our families um, and the number of people we've got on the site that we would rather have a tight-knit community of, you know, 50,000 moms uh, the way we are today than have 500,000 who aren't engaged. Uh, So on the site right now, uh, 30% of people who are signing up as registered users are actually rating products, and they rate an average of 10. So we're at a point now that even with this very small community or relatively small community, we have more new reviews on top products than Amazon, which is almost inconceivable. Wow but we're a we're a place where people come to share. They're coming to us to tell their friends about what works. And what the brands also like about it is that it's not really like Yelp where people are going in and saying I had the worst service ever. I hated it. It was terrible. Don't ever go here. Um and they're just angry after a bad experience and they go in to do this, you know, like brain dump of All the negative things they can think of. With WeSpring, they're using it to tell people about what works, and they're using it in a really positive way. So only 7% of the reviews on the site overall are negative, um, and the other 93% are positive or neutral.
1: Because it's more about telling people what works for you, right? So acting. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Exactly. And you guys were part of the 2013 Techstars class, right?
0: We were, yes. So tell me Um, me a little bit. It was a phenomenal experience. Tell me about it. So uh, so we applied uh, around the time that we were first starting to launch Respring. So we went live with the site in January of 2013. Um, when we first put in our Techstars application, I think we had 300 users, and we were very proud. <laughs> wow, I love <laughs> 300. it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, because we, I mean, we had launched six days prior. Um, and I actually, I remember we had uh, a meeting early on with Alexander Lucas Wilson, who is one of the founders of Guilt and wrote a great book called By Invitation Only, uh, which really talks about how exclusivity uh, is a powerful driver in um, in growth even though it sounds like it wouldn't be uh, and I remember sitting down with her and this was like 10 days after the launch of WeSpring and she asked how many users we had and we said 800 with glee and excitement and she looked at us <laughs> and just said you should be embarrassed by that number that was exactly oh. <laughs> exactly what she said <laughs> Um, and in hindsight, of course, we're embarrassed by that number, but at the time, it, it you know, it felt, you know, momentous to us that of this course. little thing that we had started, you know, other pe- people we didn't know were using it. Um, so we started the TechSARs program in April. Um, and finished up in June and they say in their marketing materials that it will take your company you know two years ahead in the course of three months I thought it was hooey and a whole bunch of exaggeration but it was absolutely true uh, because you have access to this community of mentors and these real experts uh, and really any expert you possibly could conceive of someone from the Techstars Network can get you in front of Uh, and it meant that we were able to kind of test out ideas in the course. of a few days that would otherwise take us a few months. So we had this, you know, short stint of time in which we were considering being an e-commerce company. And if we hadn't been working really closely with Beth Ferreira, who at the time was the COO of FAB, who basically said to us, you're crazy if you think you should be an e-commerce company, you know, we would have spent three months spitting our wheels exploring wow. that. And um, and you know there was so much power in that, and and really even today, you know it's been a year and a half almost since we graduated TechStars, and there's this family behind it that uh, I can reach out to a TechStars founder that I've never met, never heard of me, and he or she will bend over backwards to be helpful, uh, and and there's that there's that sense of collegial support that I, I can't say enough good things about.
1: That's incredible. And how do you think if you if you're a entrepreneur who's starting out and you're thinking okay I want to apply to TechStars, like what helps you? Win that. What helps you be selected?
0: Um, so, um, so growth is a really, really important indicator. Um, and you know, for us, uh, even just the TechStars process and and you know their their philosophy and their tagline is "Do more faster." Uh, going through the application process and needing to kind of report on a weekly basis over the course of about six weeks on what we'd achieved that week and what our progress had been, even just applying to it helped push our business forward because we had this, you know, this outside set of eyes that was looking at what we were doing and we wanted to impress them and we wanted to make a mark and it really pushed us to do a lot more than we otherwise would have done in that short period of time. So, you know, from the time that you submit your application to the time that they're making decisions, you need to make serious, serious progress against the set of goals that you've outlined to them right at the beginning
1: so even the application process, it sounds like, helped you be a better business.
0: It absolutely did. Um, and, you know, throughout the process when my co-founders were saying, I can't believe we're spending more time in this stupid texter's application, <laughs> I kept reminding them that all the things that we were doing were things that were good for our business regardless of whether or not we got in. Uh, so so that helped. And then, you know, the reality on the other side of it is that playing politics does help, too, in a way it does in every aspect of your life. It is not a requirement to have a, a network of people who are plugged into the Techstars community, but In my class, there were 1,700 applications, and 11 companies got in. And getting from 1,700 to 11 over the course of about six to eight weeks is no small feat. um, And applications just got dropped off every couple hours. And if you didn't have someone who was kind of championing you along the way, the likelihood of you getting dropped off was going to be so much higher, um, unless you really, really, really were shining as a company. And I'll be very candid. We were absolutely not shining as a company. We wow. had everything working against us. You know, we were a husband-wife
1: team, which nobody likes. Nobody ever uh, likes it. Do you, uh, have you read all the articles that say never invest in a husband-and-wife team? I used to read them all the me? time. Fred I, Wilson wrote that you, article. Are, it's
0: ridiculous because my relationship with my husband is 100 times stronger, and I have 100 times more invested in it than two people who've known each other for two years who've decided to start a company
1: together. I totally agree. You're preaching to the choir system. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
0: tell you. Um, so We had that working against us. Jack and I are not technical. Our third co-founder, not technical. We had one engineer on the team, um, so that was a big strike against us. We hadn't run a startup before. You know, we had all of these things. We were, we were working in this very unsexy field for new and expecting parents that, that no one in the VC world understands and appreciates. Right. Uh, so all of those things were going against us, so we were not standing out because of that. Um, really what made the difference for us was was the hard work um over the course of the application process and just nose to the grindstone and staying on top of it and being really systematic and strategic and working out to people who could be advocates for us. Um going into it, I mean we don't we weren't plugged in, we weren't connected, we weren't, you know, influential in any of these spheres, but we, you know, did this standard Network building that you can and should do anytime you're trying to break into a new space, uh, and it, it ultimately worked for us, and, and we were able to get advocates for us who were speaking up on our behalf and really saying to the, the tech stars decision makers that you know we would be a good addition.
1: I love it. I really do, and I, I think that one of the biggest takeaways for me uh, is just listening to how the process helped you be so much better. That That's a really great story, regardless of whether or not um, you got it, and I cannot believe how you were able to really maneuver through that intense competition. <laughs> that's amazing, but but really just the process itself, That that is a great story. I love yeah. it.
0: I, I encourage I encourage entrepreneurs all the time to apply, even if they think it's it's a one-in-a-million chance, that coming through that process, even if they don't get in, is going to put them in a stronger place because the questions they're going to have to answer or questions they're going to have to answer for any investor, any customer, any employee. Uh, it, it really helps you strengthen your story and push yourself to achieve things you might not feel like you otherwise could.
1: And, Allison, one thing that I always hear is that when investors invest, they're investing even less in your business and even more in you? Would you agree with that? Is it is it the person? Is it the business? Is it a combination thereof?
0: Um, you know, it's 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 a really good question. I hear like you do that it's about the team and about investing in um, the people you believe in. Yeah. Uh, very honestly, we have struggled with VC yep. um, and have not found the right fit from institutional investors. We've well, yep. we found our angels yep. who are willing to take a flyer on us. Yep. So, um, so yes, yes, in that regard, um, absolutely true for the experience that we have had. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think of myself as a pretty compelling person when I'm talking to
1: these venture capital I would definitely investors. vote you as a compelling person, and for we sure. Can't, we
0: can't. We haven't been able to sell them on it. Yeah. Um, so you know they're looking for they're absolutely looking for a team they can believe in. I think really what that is code for in a lot of these VC circles is a team that has already shown that they can succeed. Um, right. So it's it's not just you know here are some people who have fire in the belly who we think can execute. It's here are people who have taken a company grown it right. from scratch and exited successfully. Okay, we'll invest in them <laughs> and we'll say the reason we're investing is because we believe in the team. Well.
1: Of course, um, of course, really because the they've done it before. Exactly. That that to me makes complete sense. Okay, so we obviously have something in common, which is that we both co-founded our businesses with our husbands. So I would love to hear, I have my own perspective on this, but I would love to hear um, how this works for you. Is it something that was one of the best decisions you ever made? Is it have its ups and downs? Give me the whole scoop of working with your husband. Sure.
0: Well, so Jack and I met working in politics and um, – We started working on the Spitzer campaign together back in 2004. We started three days apart, um, worked together for a full year before either of us would admit that we liked each other. And then, um, you know, joke that we worked together so well, we decided to get married Uh, and got married um, four years about four years after we met. Uh, so doing something like this again was, um, you know, we didn't even have to really think about it. It was exciting. It was another opportunity to work together. Uh, our strengths, each of our individual strengths are the other's weaknesses. (laughs) So, um, Jack is really good at, at, kind of getting down into details and, um, and doing the operational work that I get very bored by. Um, you know, we, I took on the title CEO pretty early on, and when we had dinner and talked about it, we talked about it as being, you know, chief external officer more than chief executive officer, uh, and we divided things as, as, you know, me doing everything that was outward facing, so conversations with investors and press and messaging and um, conversations like this one, and Jack did everything internally to keep the trains running and manage product and do hiring and, um, and all of those efforts. So we've been able to split it pretty easily, and uh, you know, I, I I really wouldn't change much about it, except for the fact that, that we have a lot of eggs in one basket. Yes. Um. And it probably is not forever tenable for us to both be working on the same entrepreneurial venture. Yes. Uh. And it's going to be a sad day when um, mm-hmm. when we both can't be doing this together again. Um. But uh, But it's been it's been great for us.
1: I I have to tell you, I hear so much of myself uh, in you and how we had the same thing where we we founded the business together. We had worked together. What we met when working together, um, had founded the business together and eventually – and had different strengths just like you, which I think is, by the way, the key. I really think it's about you know having separate roles and separate strengths in the business and that piece. And then eventually what we did was we did a spin-off. So now we don't work together anymore, which is kind of – it is kind of sad. I will tell you, Allison, you'll miss it a little. Although, yeah. you know, sometimes I will say those those disagreements, it's, it's kind of better when, when In that way, when he says, or I come home and he's like, How was your day? And he doesn't automatically know. That's always a good thing, too. That (laughs) can be kind of fun. And so you guys are working together and you have a family. How are you managing the startup life? And all of this with having a family, you have a, a four month old, right? Caroline is four months. Yeah, yeah. Tell me how you're managing it all. And I mean how you're managing it all more as a family. I don't think that's a question that we should just ask women. You know, I often get that question, like, how do you balance it all? I but appreciate I think, that. yeah, as a family, I think it's how, how, are you, how are you doing it all together? How do you prioritize and, and what system works for you?
0: Um, well, so the reality right now is that Jack is really more of the lead um, mm-hmm. when it comes to our home life mm-hmm. and our family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get these emails um, from our preschool, and they're often sent us to the moms. And I had to write back and say, um, so my husband is actually the one who's handling all things school-related <laughs> for yeah. Logan. Yeah, uh, And it was a surprise to a lot of people. I mean, it's just not expected. Um, of course, you know, I I am... You know, probably ninety percent taking care of Caroline, just because Jack can't breastfeed. Right. Um, But other than that, like he's he's the one doing that, so I can be a little bit more focused um, on the office. And uh, we've we've done those those trade offs and those switch offs. I feel very very fortunate in that um, my husband is an outstanding father who loves to do all of the like boring nitty gritty stuff, Um, and that really has been the key. We have an amazing caregiver. Um, who's with us fifty hours a week right now? um when we were in the Techstars program, we had her, and then you know Jack's mother was taking one night a week, and we had another babysitter who was taking another night a week, and his aunt was taking a third night a week, and then you know the other two nights the two of us would switch off on because during a program like that it's you know it's sixteen hour days consistently, so we were getting to that office at like eight thirty in the morning and we weren't leaving till midnight. Um, in a lot of cases. So, uh, you know, we've, it, I, I, I don't call it work-life balance. I call it work-life juggling because uh, there is really no such thing as balance. And someday we'll have a phenomenal exit and the family will just take off and live abroad for a year and we'll have all that family time that we've missed out on. But we just carve out spots for it here and there. Um, and uh, like I said, quality time is more important than quantity time. So we try and completely unplug when we're with the kids and not, you know, shifting back and forth between the iPhone and, you know, reading the book. Uh, so um, so trying to really be focused on what we're doing when we're doing it.
1: Absolutely. And I, I love that. You know, it's really at the end of the day, it's what works for your family. And that's what I always say in, in everything that, that I do. When people ask me, you know, how do you do it? I'm like, well, we do what works for us, but it may or may not be what works for you. And I, I think a lot of it is having a partner who can really – be with you through it all and, and is as much of a parent as you are. Definitely what I've experienced, for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, Cheryl Sandberg says in her book that I think that the line was something about how the most important career decision you can make is who you're choosing as a partner. Uh, and I 100% agree with that. I do, too.
1: I do too. So, so tell me a little bit, with WeSpring, uh, as you're growing the audience and as you're building and as you're on this timeline for rapid growth and you're looking at you know this, this turning this into something huge, how are you using social media to help build the audience and, and bring this together? Obviously, you have to give them a reason, right, that they should go off of sharing their lists on Facebook or all of these areas and really bring them into your community. So how are you tapping into that?
0: Um, that's, a, that's a great question because my, my own thinking about social media has evolved so much in the two years or so that we've been doing this because even though we've only been live um, for a little over a year and a half now, we were kind of planting seeds on social media before we got started, so we didn't launch into a vacuum. We launched into you know, a community of a few thousand people. Uh, and I initially was a hundred percent focused on Facebook and, you know, used Twitter a little bit to try and grow a following, um, and over time realized that Twitter was driving zero traffic to us, Mm -hmm. um, and it was more of an opportunity to connect with influencers. Um, and, um have a little bit of a vanity metric there, um, and that Facebook was where the traffic was coming in from. And, you know, we assumed also that if people shared out to their Facebook that that would automatically drive traffic back into us, kind of like that, you know, one mom to five moms to 25 moms thing that I was talking about. Exactly. And what we have found over time is that – all of the rules have changed with facebook yes. and it's now a, a bit of a sinkhole for us yeah. um that i again see i see facebook as a vanity metric in the same way that i saw twitter as a vanity metric you know 2 years ago and uh, if we do advertising to Facebook, that absolutely works. Um, but we don't know what our customer value is yet because we're still figuring out all of the business model
1: um, mm. pieces. So, so it's so hard we... to invest then in advertising. Yeah, you know. so we
0: can't say, like, okay, a dollar in on a Facebook ad is equal $5 out. Perfect. We'll just turn on that spigot and let it go. Um, we're still figuring that out. So uh, so we don't want to do paid marketing and paid advertising right now. Um, so we've scaled back on Facebook quite a bit. And I found that Pinterest um, Mm -hmm. and Instagram have been really great for us. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't understand Pinterest at first because I thought to myself, you know, we're the anti-Pinterest. We're where people are sharing their diaper pail and their baby wipes and their nasal aspirator. It's not beautiful. It's not aspirational. It's none of the things that you initially, you know, think of Pinterest as. And it took me a really long time to figure out what our strategy could be in Pinterest that was going to be compelling and drive traffic. Uh, And what we finally landed on was all these peripheral areas that we can pin to and support. Uh, And our goal is to, you know, one out of every five to ten pins have that be driving traffic back to WeSpring. Everything else is, you know, we have a board of, you know, great meals for toddlers, and interspersed in that board are, like, the cute toddler lunchbox that's on Wee Spring or the great toddler placemat that's on WeeSpring, um, and that has, that's between all of the little cute um, face sandwiches and toddler finger foods, uh, so really coming up with a strategy that lets us be um, kind of addressing everything that moms are looking for while, Slotting in this um, this traffic that's going to East Spring. and since we figure that out, um, our traffic's up 10x. Wow! <laughs> so, um, and it happened fast. Uh, the challenge I think with Pinterest is that it's not easy to just grow an audience there fast. Yep. Um You know, you can grow an audience fast with. Facebook and Twitter by advertising and, you know, using the various tools that are out there and uh, you just can't do that with Pinterest. So we've had to grow organically, but we grew it from, you know, a thousand to 10,000 over the last six months or so. That's amazing. and that's been that's been transformational for us. Um, and then Instagram, I only start, I didn't understand how we possibly could use Instagram either because it doesn't drive traffic to you. Correct. It's it's really a brand awareness play. Correct. And I thought to myself, like, we don't need any more brand awareness. We need traffic. <laughs> we need people. Exactly. Um, so I started Instagramming at the urging of our um, of our PR person uh, who had been telling me for months and months months, you need to be on Instagram. You need to be on Instagram. So I started when I was, you know, in my eighth month of pregnancy and I thought, well, you know, I'll use this baby as a tool to see if I can use Instagram to <laughs> get
1: going. and figure I love well, it. At least
0: I'll have some content around okay. that that I could, because with, with a three-year-old, there wasn't all that much I could Instagram right. that was relevant to right. our audience. Um, and that we've grown from, you know, from like... 300 who are my Facebook friends, um, back in, in May, um, up to, I think we're at, at 7,000 now. Wow. Uh, and it's not a, it's not a traffic driver, but it's a way for us to stay top of mind with our existing users. And I find that the engagement on Instagram is so, so far eclipsing what we see yes. on Facebook. Yes. So, you know, with, with, um, you know, 7,000 Instagram followers and 40,000 Facebook followers. I post something to Facebook, it gets 10, 15, maybe 20 likes. I post something to Instagram with an audience that's, you know, less than a quarter of the size, and it gets 150 likes. Of course. So it's 10x. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: it's 10x times that That. So it's, you know, 50 times as effective in a lot of cases, um, which which is just kind of mind-blowing to
1: me. It's incredible. So tell me what's next for WeeSpring.
0: Um, so we are pushing growth right now. Um, you know, we've, we've seen two consecutive months with 40% growth, which is awesome. amazing. Um, and we've, we've kind of finally hit on something there. Uh, so continuing to get the word out, you know, uh, it, we never will be a $5 million unique a month community because mm-hmm. we are targeted and focused. Right. Are, um, it's, an, it's a pretty affluent community that, you know, 60% of our users have household income of above, above 100000 um, so it's not going to be every single new expecting parent, new and expecting parent on, on, in the U.S. Um, and then also starting to look at other ways we can engage this community. We talked for a long time about moving into other verticals, and we've kind of started to go there with toys a little bit. But, um, you know, Spring local is something that we're exploring right now ah. uh, because we've gotten a lot of users asking us for it. They're asking for all the things that are not covered on WeSpring. So WeSpring is where you go for trusted advice on which stroller to buy and what you need to pack when you're going on an airplane ride and what you need when you're sick. Um, and, you know, we're exploring We Spring Local as the place you go to find out um, where's the best place to go apple picking and, you know, a good pediatrician and, um, you know, what you should be buying your nanny as a holiday gift.
1: And so ultimately a, a recommendation site for new and expectant parents. Yeah, but
0: more of a more of a community. Yep. Um, and we're looking at, at some really low-tech ways to do it. That's um, awesome. That are a little surprisingly low-tech. But, um, but, you know, I've seen it in, in other instances where there's so, so much engagement, even just around an email list.
1: I love it. Okay, and last question for you, Allison. Tell me what advice you would give to aspiring entrepreneurs.
0: Um, (laughs) find, find your, find your community. Uh, it is a lonely, lonely road. And if you are, um, if you're on it without a support system around you, it is very hard to continue to muster that strength every day. Um, you know, I saw a, a quote, I think it's from the, um, the founder of Box. Uh, and he talked about how entrepreneurship is one of those um, those jobs that you can you can go from feeling you know in the pits of despair to the highest peaks of exhilaration in the course of a day. Uh, and it's absolutely true. I have that oscillation all the time. Yeah. And without other people around me who are you know pushing me to keep going, but also you know showing me that they're going through the exact same thing, uh, it would be really hard to to keep on plugging with this because it can be very demoralizing. Thing, and then you have these, these like, moments of, of extreme highs, and then you drop back down <laughs> into the pit of despair. Uh, so you need, to be, you need to be capable of handling those ups and downs. And I think the only way, really, to do it is to, um, to have a really strong support system of people who understand what you're going through.
1: I agree for sure. And I feel very lucky to have you as somebody I know as a fellow entrepreneur and certainly entrepreneur who um, runs a business with their spouse, which is pretty, a pretty rare. <laughs> I think somewhat rare, Alison. We are in a, yeah, a really, totally. a really interesting space. And I feel very lucky to have you um, as a fellow entrepreneur and also as an all the social lady. So thank cool. you so much for being on the show today.
0: Thanks so much, Gary.
1: And Alison, if people want to follow you, where should they go? Should they go to Instagram?
0: Yeah, so we're at WeSpring, um, and that's two E's, W E E S P R I N G on Instagram. Um, it's WeSpring on Pinterest. It's WeSpring on Facebook. Um, and on Twitter, there's an
1: underscore between the we and the spring. Awesome. Okay, we'll see you online. Okay. Bye bye.
0: You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.